Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We're into August. Can you feel it? There's a little coolness to the air today. And I must admit, I have missed you. It's a little bit of a sabbatical away for some business here. But it's nice to be back on the Lawn and Garden Journal. And quickly, I have to sort of assess, because being away for a little bit of time, yes, my garden was a little bit uh, uh, on a rampage of growth, but no development of fruit. And I have to also say that the little rabbits that are in my yard, I think I shared my garden this week because most of my uh, most of my peas are gone and most of my lettuce was gone but lo and behold my cucumbers are emerging my zucchinis are coming slowly so I shared my garden so I thought why not find a poem about in a shared garden please listen in my vegetable garden birds are watching me pick green beans to eat A lone robin scrounges for seeds from sunflowers. An old twisted oak tree filters the sunlight. The cool filtered light is just right for my garden. Beneath that oak tree are ripe tomatoes I need to pick for my supper. Mr. Robin flits upward to the sunflower. He's found in the seeds and eats. His fill he'll eat and the rest in the moon's light as Miss Deer gnaws only flowers as I leave the garden. No doubt if I had picked my vegetables already, he'd be devouring them beneath the shady tree. I chased her to a distant tree, tossed an apple for her to eat. She'll be back to take her pick for more. I know by the evening, the evening's moonlight, she'll return to devour my garden and will also eat some of my flowers. I plant bulbs and flowers away from the garden and the tree, hoping Miss Deer will avoid my garden, preferring to go and eat by the evening's moonlight while I sit with my guitar and pick. Tomorrow, if they're not eaten, I'll go out and pick a nice bouquet of table flowers in the morning sun, bright light, as it filters through the trees that grow beside my garden. When evening comes, my guitar I'll pick in the waning moon's dim light, Miss Deer, her fill of flowers will eat. Oak tree bends down for the night beside the garden in a shared garden. We're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. How have you been? How is your garden doing? I know that when we take a break away from our gardens, we come back. And yes, we discover new things. We discover the new set of buds that are happening. And yeah, we also find that maybe things have been nibbled on. So there's care and there's also a joy that we come from both sides of it. That's part of living, right? The good and the not so good. Yes, the rabbit. Oh, I was so looking forward to having some of this new musclid mix lettuce that, yes, it's just right down. Not happening, not this year. And believe it or not, it was even up in a little bit of a planter 
that I raised up. So lo and behold, I think I have a little bunny that has back spring legs that is jumping up into this container, eating my lettuce, along with a few of my uh, favorite um, petunias. They're <laughs> being nibbled on as well. But we're sharing some of the garden, and we'll share some of the vegetables as well. So we'll sort of see how things go, right? Anyway, I have to say, the gardens are looking beautiful. There is this sort of stimulus that you go and you're looking about, but there's one that's truly, really standing out right now for me that's in there. And as I drive about uh, on my driveabouts here for work, uh, the hydrangeas, have you taken a look at the hydrangeas that are out there? They are absolutely gorgeous, and I think it's because maybe, yes, lo and behold, hydra, hydrangeas they love that added moisture in the ground so they are just looking glorious and i have to give you a little story too just to tell you the resilience of these hydrangeas uh if you've been out to the garden center here we did a little bit of a reno on our front and i'm always sort of spouting how lovely how great i love vanilla strawberry hydrangea well lo and behold in this garden it had to be moved so Yes, we dug out, we gained a bunch of muscle from our guys here. And the five-foot shrubs, times two, easily came out of the ground. Yes, it took a little bit of muscle. And we moved it just slightly north in a different garden. And it's been three and a half weeks since we did it. And I know when we say that we're transplanting different types of shrubs, when do you do it? Well, this was a scenario that said normally... Hydrangeas you would do either early spring or late fall because your blooming period is in the summer. We would do that. But if you have to move it, and this was a scenario where we had to move it, it is doing beautiful. And the key to that with the success, if you are in the same scenario as us that we have to move it, is the moisture and putting stuff on there. Right? So let's talk gardening. We're going to write to lines. Pat's waiting. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And I'm going to start off by asking, where are you calling from? From Winkler. Well, good morning, Winkler. It's going to be, isn't it a beautiful morning? Like cool, but gorgeous. Yes, it is. Yeah. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Um, well, I left a message, and I don't know if it ever got to you. I also sent an email with pictures. I have a very sick um, Discovery Elm tree. Okay. And and I don't know... Um, I don't know if my email got to you because I took, I took pictures of the diseased area. Um, I cannot see insects, um, but yet there's always this stuff that looks kind of like sawdust at the bottom of the tree. Okay. And I did some research, and what I come up with is carpenter ants. You probably like, could. Like the tree itself is healthy. The leaves are healthy. And I know it's. I don't think it's bark beetle because when we lived on the farm, we had the regular elms, and we ended up eventually getting um, Dutch elm disease, and we had to remove them all. So, but there's no like there's no leaves dying on this, but the bark seems is the bark's disturbed. Um, it's it's like it's like they're chewing underneath whatever it is is chewing underneath the bark, and then the bark kind of loosens and falls off. Yes, yeah. Um, what you can do is, uh, and how mature are the trees? 
It's about eight years old. I just, so, this is just one. This is on a new yard that we moved. We moved into town eight years ago, so that, and and we planted the tree eight years ago, and it it's doing. It's it's beautiful, except for this mess. And this has been going on for several years now, where we've noticed this this sawdust on the ground, and yeah. and that the and that the bark is is coming off in certain areas. Yeah, I I I most it leaves yeah. out every spring beautifully. Well, there. If we can kind of treat those ants, um, maybe it goes through. Because normally, I I normally see carpenter ants as um, things that usually go after dead wood or fallen like um, trees that are under stress or under other conditions that are in there. So um, I apologize for not getting your uh, emails. I don't know if it came through uh, the Golden West or if it came through our site through here, but I will investigate that. If you want to leave your email that's in there, I can further look at some of the photos that are on there, and I will actually refer it to my business partner, who is actually the treatment of uh, I grow it, and he he always likes to say he likes to, to kill things, which is bugs and diseases, which he likes to target. So we can definitely take a look at those. But if there's... Um, if you see that there's anything out there, maybe a fast treatment that you could do in it is uh, maybe bug out. If there's a treatment that you can get uh, Wilson's bug out that you can do as a topical spray on the outside. Okay. I, I can barely hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe we'll see if we can get it raised oh, up here. You better? better. <laughs> is that better? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes, that's better. Um, let's try and see if we could treat it right away with some, uh, if you have something like, am- in the olden days it used to be called ambush, but there is a, uh, it's been rebranded as bug outs. Maybe you can do a topical spray on the bark and maybe get a percentage of some of them, but it's going to be harder to get underneath that bark with that product that's on it. But uh, I'd like to defer to my business partner to see what else, because normally I see carpenter ants after dying wood or decaying wood that's in there, and uh, not usually on newer um, newer trees. So that would be a fairly mm-hmm. younger tree that's on there. Okay. Yeah. What? 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 It I t- I tried just with with whatever I have at home, and that is what is trounce or seven. I I sprayed the any area where the, where I can see where the the wood is infected. Yeah, but um, it hasn't. And then I cleaned up the the, um, the sawdust on the bottom of the tree. I cleaned it up, and then within a week or so, there was more. It's back again. Yeah. If you have if you have um, if you have seven, uh, I know that there's a little bit of this left somewhere. You know, in um, garden shed somewhere. But do a drench around the soil of the tree too as well. So oh, if you're doing okay. a drenching, uh, also do a spray, but then also do a drenching around the soil of the base of the tree as well, because if there are ants in there in under tunnels and that, if you do mm-hmm. a slow, steady drench underneath, and whenever we do a drench of something on a soil, pre-moisten the area because uh, it's their survival instinct that if the area is too wet, they're going to raise higher in the ground so that when you do apply that drench a drench of seven that you have left over, then mm-hmm. you're going to have more more chance of getting those bugs, okay? Okay. What about diatomaceous earth? Uh, diatomaceous earth is something that is um, it's a little bit more on the organic side. It takes a bit of time for them to crawl through those uh, particles. Mm-hmm. And then for and sometimes they'll even ingest some of those particles that are in there, but it's a little bit slower demise than it is with the sep- with the seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, no, I would do the seven, but I was thinking of maybe just putting the diatomaceous earth on the ground around as well. 
Yeah, hey, if you have it, double up because double up your chances of, um, you know, of catching that higher population that's in there. So are the ants, do you feel the ants are like burrowing, living inside of the tree? Like They could be. They could be burrowing on there. And, you know, sometimes I've seen uh, trees that people have cut in half and they've been hollowed out on the inside where that dead core is mm-hmm. being eaten out. So with, and we do, we're not going to advise cutting the tree down. Don't do that because <laughs> if it's healthy and viable, we want to keep a tree going. Oh, I know, I know. It's part of my tree line here, and it, it uh, if it would come out, uh, my shade garden would suffer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so um, I like the the one side of it that says that the viability and the leafing is opening, and the canopy is really, really good, and you're not losing branching and leaf structures on it. Leads to me to think that um, we could probably give you some further suggestions on treatment for that, okay? That would be great. Um, the the uh, email that I used was one oh. from, like, when, when Dwayne Friesen was, you know... Okay, you know what? Okay, then that they would... correct? Yeah, that would have been correct. So if, um, yes, that would be correct. So if you forward it to that, then they will forward it on to me. But I have been away... I have been away for a couple of weeks for business for my company, so I am back now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now I can I can resend those pictures and see if you'll get it this time. Yeah, or even um, if you don't go through, uh, Sasha's on the line here helping me out today. So if you don't go through that, you can also send it to my site here as garden at stmarysnursery.com. But the Lawn and Garden Journal, they're very good there. They usually forward things through to me. Okay. So what was yours? Garden at? StMary'sNursery.com. And just garden and, and any, just S-T-M-A? Uh, S-T-M-A-R-Y-S-N-U-R-S-C-R-Y.com. Mm-hmm. And what was that? StMary'sNursery.com. Oh, N-U-R-S-E-R-Y.com. Okay. N U R S E R Y or just S E R? Yep. Why? Like nurse, yeah. We're not a daycare. We're we're old fashioned where we used to grow our yeah. trees here. So that was the old days that we called it a, a garden center and a nursery. And then nursery.com. Correct. So let me see. Garden at St. Mary's Nursery.com. Correct. You got me. Okay. Then maybe I'll just try and send them direct to you. Okay, well, thank you. Because I don't you. know where that email went if nobody received it. <laughs> okay, all right. So. All right, we'll look for it, okay, Pat? All right, and if you get anything else, um, I think I've left my phone number. Okay, if Sasha has your phone number, she'll forward it to me as well, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, enjoy the day. Bye-bye. We have been away from our gardens, or I've been away from my gardens for a little bit, and I want to hear what's happening. The good, the not-so-good, and just the inspiring. Give me a call. The lines are open here. 1-800-374-3315. Uh, we're going to go right to, uh, to lines. Meryl is waiting. Hi, Meryl. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I have Gr- a question for you. Sure. Uh, I had bought some false spirea without doing due diligence on the plant. And now I'm finding that it's just running everywhere. And I'm wanting to remove it. So I'll remove the plant, but I don't know for sure about all the runners. Can I spray them with something without damaging the other planting that's there? Okay, so the false pyrea, you're talking about the semp 
uh, spirea shrub, correct? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous, and I like it, but I don't like it that it's going everywhere. Yeah, they have a tendency to do a little bit of a, a spreading aspect for it. They're perfect for those shady areas if you want to do a blended, large, uh, multi-stemmed branching that's in there. Um, if you can dig out the suckers as you see them, that would be one portion of it. Make sure you get a really good root ball off of the uh, original. How old is it? Oh, it's probably about five years old or maybe even a little older than that. Okay, so well-established. Those roots are probably spreading out 10, 15 feet. And uh, I have uh, rock and mulch and landscape fabric down, but they travel underneath there, and then they pop up anywhere where there's maybe a seam in the fabric. And my biggest concern is we have a gorgeous blue spruce at the corner. It's one of those grafted ones. And I don't want to damage that one. Okay. So what you can do is, uh, in some cases where it's really being invasive and that kind of stuff, uh, full-strength Killex will sometimes do it, but you have to be careful what you're applying it to. Okay. So um, sometimes I, if I want to be very targeted on that one plant that I want to get rid of, a, a little bit of a cotton ball with rubber gloves, I will um, cut the stemming of it and try and put some of that on the intake of where the open wound is that's on it so that could be part of a a remedy that could help you with that but like i said be careful what you drop uh that onto because uh it's mostly known for weeds that are on it but at full strength it will have a detriment to some other plants and what was that that i could use full strength killex i'm not i'm not getting that word Killex. Oh, Killex. Killex is what I was intending to use anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's not targeted for like um, that specific type. It's not branded for that. But in my experience, um, I have some maples that love to just grow randomly. And by the time I see them, they're sometimes two feet tall. So it's just like the same thing. You cut it off and it just seems to want to grow again, that old Manitoba maple. Yeah. So I have literally cut it, uh, taken a little cotton ball, put some of the moisture in the open wound. And actually I have taken my um, jack, well, my pocket knife and stripped some of the outer bark off of these little whips. And again, taken a cotton ball and sort of pulled it up the side of that open cambium or open green uh, growth on those shrubs and it it causes them to slow down and in some cases if they're younger ones they will have a demise to them so i if i dig the plant out or try and get most of it and these runners are going underneath it's close to the house like in my shrub line yep and uh, they have pop-ups all over the place if I get them cut off at the root ball, would they still be viable to keep moving? Some of them will be. It's it's amazing uh, the durability of some plants' rooting system, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it may be, I'm going to say you, I will have faith in you because um, a little scenario for me years ago, I, in my younger years, I loved ribbon grass. I don't know if you know what ribbon, uh, Phalaris ribbon grass, the variegated ribbon grass that was uh, very, very popular. Well, I had it for about seven years, and it probably took me seven years to get rid of it. But I was diligent. Anytime I saw something come up, I 
I acted on it, and I got rid of it, and I was dugging and pulling. So I have faith. You okay. can do it. <laughs> I have been spraying them back with uh, straight Killex as yeah. it's been popping up. But yeah. they're a very hardy bunch. They are. They are very. But if you get rid of, uh, I think, the combination of removing the mother plant and then targeting things when they're uh, in a younger state and in a weaker state, I think you will have more success, oh, okay? okay? Well, I'm going to try that. I have, Can I have one more question? Uh, you know what? Can you hang on? Because they're telling me I ran a little late on the first one. Okay. And if you hang on, we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come right back, okay? Okay. Oh, awesome. Thank you. We'll be right back with Meryl. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Lawn and Garden Journal. We're going to go right back to Meryl. She was so uh, lovely to wait for us to take our commercial break. Are you there, Meryl? Yes, I am. Oh, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, we have, The question I have is there is a, a flowering crab tree on my daughter's yard, and she has lawn care service. Yep. And uh, it looks to me like they have used the grass whip too close to it because it's probably two years old and the stem is still very thin like the trunk and yeah. it's about halfway through it and mm. I, I noticed that it was leaning so much so I went and investigated it and uh, the bark is kind of shredded off over there like uh, and it's got a real bad lean to it but the rest of the tree looks totally healthy is there any hope for that tree um yeah uh i see this sometimes where it is an injury to a tree um so what i'm going to suggest that you do is if it's whipped and it looks like it's flayed that's in there maybe uh the tree if it's not completely all the way around uh it will start to heal itself that's on there uh maybe a little bit of uh, spray pruning paint or something but i would check and see if it's a recent one that's on there i kind of like to let it scab up by itself you know like when you cut yourself it 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 self seals itself right right and if it's an older one that's in there a little bit of pruning paint is not going to affect that healing as much but uh, if it's just recently it will start to heal on its own Uh, that's where sometimes if you see a large limb that's uh, removed it kind of gets that rimmed edge where it looks like it's kind of closing the door over the opening that's on there right um as preventative measures going forward, I would suggest that she get a, a collar or a tree guard that's on there. Oh, yes, and, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, and um, uh, they're, they're white. we sell them as white spiral wraps, and we normally put them on in the winter as a deterrent for uh, rabbits and voles and that kind of stuff. So you're going to do dual diligence on this one because rosy blooms are also sweet uh, to rabbits and voles. Yeah, so I'm put a tree guard on there and then maybe just a little gentle note to the care. Hey, you know, maybe keep away a little bit. I know they're trying to make it nice and clean and probably going as close to the tree as they can to make the lawn look nice. But if that's the case too, sometimes uh, skirting or making an outer dish and putting mulch around the tree, then it gives them a parameter to say, okay, I don't need whip, whip snipping close to this tree area. Yeah, I'm going to have to stake it because... It's got a real bad lean on it, and that's what made me investigate it in the first place. Yeah. And, if it's got a, yeah. And it, How, but it looks totally healthy, and yet it's leaning, like got a lot of lean on it. So. Okay, and how old is the tree? 
It's only we only planted it there probably a couple of years ago. Last year might have been its full first year, and it was likely planted the year before. So they okay. were going into season three, but it's still only got a thin trunk. Like they they seem to be bringing them out with pretty thin trunks these days. So yeah. Um, okay. Another thing too. How tall is it? It's actually grown up quite a bit. I'm surprised. It's quite a bit taller than me, and it was, you know, like it's probably uh, just about eight feet if you were to stretch it right out. Okay, so I'm going to suggest here too, um, A, our winds have been horrendous, and I know because you're you're telling me just almost a scenario because we do a lot of trees in our communities here, and we put two stakes in, uh, so it helps to support it. So being A, only two years old, and if it's got a nice canopy of leaves on the top, the winds have been horrendous. So a lot of rocking on newly planted trees uh, does cause loosening of the root ball down below. So the ad, there's advantage p- to putting a dual stake system on there. Just remember when you stake it, stake, put the stakes beyond the root ball. Because the root ball is going to have that softer soil around it. So yeah. try try go a little further into that. Uh, I don't know where you are, if it's more clay-based or if it's a sandy soil. But put a good percentage of uh, wood stake in the ground and stake it. Um, if you have old tubings of hoses that you can chop up, wire and guide hose. But don't put it tight. Leave a nice loop around it. Make sure that it is nice and taut. If but, we had um, it staked for the whole of the first year when we planted it. And then last year we thought that, well, it's probably taken root, you know, good root by now. And we removed the stakes because it's pretty hard to cut around there when the stakes are a good three feet away from the tree. Yeah, yeah. We, um, on our site here too, when we uh, contract to do some work for uh, commercial properties, we leave our stakes on our trees for two years. For how many years? Two years. Two years, okay. Two years. Anyway, so two- thank you very much. It uh, sounds a little hopeful. Maybe we'll take a good run at it and see if we can't save it. Oh, you know what? If it's if its canopy is really good on top, I always say let's let's give it a chance because trees are so important to our environment. Okay? Exactly. Okay. Thank you for calling. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. It is so true with the canopy and with the lean lean on some of the trees and. Usually for the first two years, it's really a good portion to leave it. But just as a reminder, um, and thanks, Meryl, for bringing this up. If you have uh, stakes on trees that are longer than that, you want to get those removed. Uh, one to two years is a perfect time to be able to put it in there and to gain that because a uh, we have to sort of think of the scenario, the stories of that tree being planted. And just remember... Uh, we went from one year that was a very drought-ridden. So in cases like that, plants are going to reserve themselves. They're not going to be expanding their roots as vigorous. And maybe in the same uh, token of thought, this year, if there's an area where some trees are in very high water levels, they're not radiating their roots into more moisture. They're kind of preserving themselves until they can get the proper elements of what they need to get into that sustained growth period. So believe it or not, a lot of our trees uh, have gone through uh, uh, two hits of 
uh, a severe drought for two years and then all of a sudden, wow, whammy, so much moisture. But take a look at them. They're majestic. They're growing. They're protecting our environment. They're shading us. So take care of your trees, guys. And in some instances, too, I've seen some... uh, uh, staking with some ho- uh, piping and hosing around some trees that are on there too long that they're actually cutting in to the cambium and growth of some of these trees. So if you've got it on there longer than three years, take a look at it. Maybe loosen them if you still need that guide on there for some reason or not. Let's get those stakes out of the ground and then let the tree anchor and create its own strength that's in there. We're going to go right back to the lines. We have Laverne waiting. Hi, Laverne. Morning, um Morning, um, forgot your name. Carla, that's okay, that's okay. Carla. How are um, you doing I today? I have a, 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 a drainius, but I have it in a pot right now, so I guess I could plant it, right? Oh, yeah, like, okay, is it in a pot because you just bought it, or is it a pot? Yes, no, I just bought it. Yes, you can pot, uh, if it's in a potted plant, you can pot it at any time. Okay, um, what direction uh, would it be? Do you know so, which variety you have? My you know? my house faces south and north. South and north, but do you know which variety? What's the name of the hydrangea you got? Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. You're not sure. Well, yeah, it's just got hydrangeas. Okay. On the tank. Okay. Now the hydrangea that's in there, we want to make sure that you have a hydrangea that is garden hardy, or there's a lot of hydrangeas that are offered in stores and floor shops that are not hardy. So okay. um, are if it's a if it's a house plant type uh, variety that is sold because they're not hardy varieties to our climate, you can pl- leave them in the pot and leave them outside during no, the summer. No, it's but not they a house plant. In. Okay, so it, it is a truly hardy hydrangea? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I just I, sorry, I just need to clarify that because if it's if it's not a hardy one and I say plant it in the garden and it doesn't live and you really wanted to keep it, then it would have okay. to go in the house. Okay, but and another um, thing, I got a mock orange. Yep. And now, uh, when would be the best time? You were saying to cut it down. Okay, let's deal with the hydrangeas themselves. Let's start with that because you asked if where to pl- plant it. Yeah. Um, most people know them as shade-loving plants, but I okay. find that they do a little bit better in more sun aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you look at Annabelle hydrangeas, where we where we sell, and I have to admit, the, the hydrangeas that we have in our nursery now are just, oh, okay. I look outside and they're gorgeous. But yeah. they're, they have a little bit more tendency to like a little bit more sun than mm-hmm. in the deep, deep shade. So yeah. if you if you can find a spot in your yard that has a little bit more percentage of sun, yeah. I would say go for it. Like if it's a full sun backyard, maybe see if there's an area of your backyard that has maybe a little bit of protection from sun from maybe 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Yeah, it's kind of sun in shade. Yeah, yeah, but mm-hmm. as much as much of more, a little bit more sun. But, you know, like think of your afternoon sun is usually noon to 4 o'clock as your intense sun. Yeah. But, no, the afternoon sun is it's gone by then. Okay, so then plant it if it's in a sunny area in the morning or in the later afternoon. I would probably say not the early morning sun, but the late afternoon sun would probably be my choice. Okay. Okay? Oh, so, you should see the neighbor um, these people on our street. Oh, there is just, it just takes your breath away. You know what? It's just so beautiful. 
Yep, I I am with you on that. Uh, I have a sister that's down south, and she was showing me some of her hydrangeas in her yard. And uh, one of the areas that I visited uh, on my business trip, the Mm -hmm. hydrangeas, it just blew me away how gorgeous these are. That's, you know, and even the diversity. Now, if there's the white varieties, but the category of hydrangeas based on your acidic content, you can mm-hmm. get d- deep pinks even into some soft blues. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it kind of blows my mind. It was just These so gorgeous. These white ones, they're going to um, eventually they turn a pinkish color. Yep. After yep. an all. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was going to say my mock orange, it's all done blooming now. Would okay. it be a good time to cut it down now? Okay, mock orange, um, I don't know if you were listening earlier, but the mock orange, you're probably a little too late on trimming your mock orange for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, if, But the scenario says, Laverne, that if you really, really have to reshape it, you yeah. can. But just remember, if you shape it now, you are going to be cutting off your blossoms for next year's bloom. Yeah, well, there's a t- must be about a thousand of them. Yeah, well, if because usually uh, it's like lilacs, mm-hmm. mock orange, and forsythia. You really need to trim it about two weeks after it stopped blooming. Okay. Okay. Oh, I so, see. Yeah, you need that time frame. So because all those categories of blooming <coughs> shrubs or blooming trees set their bud set on mm-hmm. the old wood, not the new wood. Okay? Okay. All right? Yep, sounds good then. Okay, thank you so much for calling in this morning. Yeah, it was great hearing from you. Okay, wonderful. Okay, yeah. okay. enjoy your Bye day. Then. Yes. Bye then. Bye bye. It's it's this and it's a gentle reminders. There's a lot of um, information and learning and reinforcing and helping each other as to how we're gardening. That's what we're doing. We're gonna go right back to lines. It's a busy morning. Emily has been waiting. Good morning, Emily. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Oh, just Winnipeg. <laughs> oh, good morning. It's you know what? It has a little crispness to the air. It gives us a little break from that heat, but it yeah, feels good. Started eh? like starting to feel like fall. Oh, yeah. I I kind of uh, we won't say that word yet, but uh, <laughs> it is it is on the you know it's actually on my mind too as well because. Um, as you're looking at how beautiful gardens are looking right now, you look at the characteristics of some yards, how they're going to transition to that fall garden, right? Right. And um, it also reminds me that this cooler air, uh, I'm going to give one little bit of shout out right now to say what our task is, but if you have petunias or any annual plants that will benefit from a little bit of shearing, as soon as that late August, early September coolness comes, you are going to see a resurgence and a blast of new fresh growth on our plants. So um, that's one little task I would say if you have time to do it, let's get out there and do a little bit of uh, deadheading and pruning to encourage that last blast for September and October, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, how can we I help you this I was looking at that too, you know, <laughs> everything, you can't keep up with the deadheading. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. So Sometimes it's a task, but it's kind of therapeutic and it's... Uh, I find it relaxing, too. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, to a point. <laughs> you can also take your frustrations out on deadheading and pruning things back, too, as well. Think of it that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, how can we help you? 
My question is, um, my raspberries are overrunning my garden quite a bit, and I'm just trying to figure out a way to get rid of them. Uh, it sounds like you can do a lot of pruning and uh, prune some out, and even by uh, digging some of them out if you really need to have to. So um, that is one thing with the raspberries is they do have a tendency to radiate away from their original source that's on it. So uh, removing your suckering. Um, sometimes I know that uh, my brother will gift things away, you know. It's like, okay, it's time to rotor till these guys under and change my crop production to give it some added more rooting and at probably at the same time amending some of those soils. So... Um, is it in a smaller garden, or are you on a... Um, it's uh, kind of a big area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it gets a little bit too big, um, sometimes uh, rototilling them under, you know, in certain areas to open that up, or if you have opportunity that you can dig and give some away and open that up uh, for some spacing, that may work as well. Yeah, I've tried, I've tried to do that, and they're still popping up too many, so... Um, so well, cutting them right have really down, good soil. that work? Sorry, say again? Cutting them right down? You will. You can cut them down, but then they will create some more suckers that are in there. Right, but it will that's slow what I the, Yeah, because the suckering habit is in there. So it's, it's kind of like when you're disturbing and getting rid of the rooting systems, it will slow that plant down so that it has to regenerate itself, but it will slow down. How about uh, spraying with Killix or something? Uh, you want to be careful. Well, that's a that's that will eradicate some of them that's are on there. Um, mm-hmm. That would probably work, but I probably wouldn't apply it when you're uh, harvesting. Right, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Maybe thank you very much, try, Carla. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. You for have calling a good in. day. Oh, you too. It's it's good hearing all your voices back on the Lawn and Garden Journal. It sure is. Thank you okay. very much. Enjoy your day. Well, we're back on the Lawn and Garden Journal. We'll be back next weekend as well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back and enjoy your weekend. Bye-bye, everyone.